Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So as you guys know, a few weeks ago, I came out with a brand new prayer journal called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. I love this prayer journal because I cannot even count how many times I've found myself in between places, trying to trust God, wanting to believe that His plans for my life are good, but also feeling so much doubt and fear and just general, like, blechness. That's not really a word, but I just made it a word, as I try to wait for whatever the thing is. It's just so hard, right? So during the week that the book came out, my husband Carl and I hosted a virtual hangout with my amazing book launch team, where we talked about what it's like to be in between places. The members of the launch team sent in a ton of questions. Some of them were about between places that they know Carl and I have been through and how we navigated them. And then some of them were about between places that they are walking through right now. And I loved the conversation that came out of that evening. I felt like God showed up in the coolest, most beautiful way that night, and that's why I just knew we had to share that conversation here on Girls' Night. Here are just a few of the topics we touch on in this episode. We talk about how to make the most of the present when you feel stuck, how to trust God's plans are good even in the waiting, how to know whether the guy you're dating is the one, how to move forward after losing your job, how to deal with the pain and the waiting and the hardships that come with infertility, and so much more. I actually did think that we would have more time to talk about fertility and the journey to becoming a parent than we did, but because of that, I wanted to mention that Carl and I did a whole episode a few months ago where we shared the whole story of what this journey has looked like for us, and so if that's an episode you need right now, I want you to listen to this one today, but I also am going to make sure to link to that other episode in the show notes just so you can listen to that one too. Guys, I'm so excited about this episode. I cannot wait to share it with you, but before we dive in, I have some really exciting news. Registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, officially opened up again today. If you go to loveyoursinglelife.com right now, you can register for the course. And guys, I really, I just would love to have you join us. If you haven't had a chance to check out the course yet, here's what it's all about. Love Your Single Life is the only digital course and study for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step system to savor, enjoy, and truly make the most of your single life, all while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. Here are just a few of the things we talk about in this four-week online course. We talk about how to start really enjoying your single life and making the most of every moment. I'll teach you a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. We'll talk about how to find good, quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to invest in your friendships, your relationships with God, your calling, your passions, and yourself. We'll talk about what to do with your sex drive while you're single because it doesn't wait to show up until we're married, unfortunately, right? We'll talk about how to stay close to your girlfriends, even when you're in different stages of life, and so much more. Registration for the course only opens up twice a year, so make sure you go and sign up today. You can find out all about the course at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. And one other thing I wanted to mention is I know that some of you guys may be listening to this after the course closes again or in a totally different time of year, and that's completely fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and you'll be the first to know next time the course opens back up. I cannot wait to share this with you. Okay, now let's jump into my conversation with Carl. Okay, friends, I'm so excited about the episode that we have for you tonight. Um, I'm sitting here with the only 
man ever invited on girls night, right. which is my husband, Carl. And we're actually sitting here with a group of 50 plus women who have been on my launch team for my book, the between places. Um, so we have them live on Facebook and we're recording this for a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And what we've done is because we've been talking about the between places, you know, so much lately, I had the launch team send us any questions they have about their between places or our between places, right. just any questions they have about between places. Um, and we're going to answer them for you today. So this is like a really pretty legit girls night because we actually have a whole bunch of girls gathered. Well, virtually. Uh, and yeah. Carl, in the last like two seconds, we decided we need to order pizza after this because you cannot have a girls night without pizza. Yeah. Yeah. So before we dive in, Carl. Yeah. Great. Great to have you. Thanks. Long time, <laughs> as I say every time, I think. Long time listener. Third time? Third, third time guest? Maybe like fourth, fourth time? Something All like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so instead of long having... Long time, fourth time. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't... I've never heard anyone say that on a radio show. I think it's... It's just, like an old thing? I may, I'm maybe. Okay. So... Maybe it's just a dad thing. Maybe it's a dad thing. You're practicing your dad I, jokes. Oh, all the time. You know this. <laughs> really working on your dad jokes. A hundred percent. It's um, the only skill I'm actively developing. <laughs> uh, also, if I sound a little out of breath, it's because I constantly am these days. Uh, so, so, <laughs> it's true. so please forgive it's me. True. Sounds like I'm running a marathon because I feel like I am. Yeah. Okay. So Carl, instead of doing an introduction and a fun fact about you, because we've done an introduction before okay. for you. Yep. Instead, I'm going to have us say how long we've been married, mm-hmm. like kind of when and where we got married. Okay. And we're going to do a fun fact about each other. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like both of us might, both of us could get really tossed into the bus <laughs> right now, which could be awesome. So mm-hmm. glad you guys are here for this. Yeah. Um, okay. So first of all, Carl, how long have we been married? We've been married for six years and one month and 15 days. <laughs> That's very cute of you that you're counting. <laughs> it's pretty easy math. July 5th, August 20th. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. So six years, which is crazy. It doesn't, I, I don't, I mean, six years sounds long. Yeah, it does. But also I think once you, cause it's not five anymore. Like five is a big one when you get to five years. And then and this is true. Like in, I feel like with birthdays and stuff too, of like, oh, there's some like milestone ones. And then it's just like, Oh, I'm like, whatever, like 27. Like, I don't know what's that or 26. Like you're not 25 anymore. Like that's cool. But like, (laughs) it's not like a big one. It's not like a milestone. It's just kind of waiting until you turn 30 then. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I guess, but I like very important years, but I'm just saying in terms of like, like the things you like, you look at, you know, years down the road. Yeah. Nobody's. Yeah. I, I feel like six, I think maybe because it's not five. Yeah. It's, it just sounds like it's a really big number. Like it's a lot more. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot. Like yeah. six feels like a lot more than five. Totally. Um, but it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Um, when did we, uh, so we said we got married on July 5th. Yes. Um, do you want to tell them like, you know, I don't know where we got, where we got married or. We got married in um, a suburb of Atlanta called Marietta, Georgia. Um, we were both living in Georgia when we were planning our wedding and didn't know yet that we would be, we knew we were in the between place of engagement. We didn't know that we were about to be thrust into the between place of unemployment. Uh, and so we had planned to, to have this wedding and it to be more or less like local, uh, in Atlanta. I went to school in Atlanta. I saw a lot of friends in Atlanta and then that's where we met. And so a lot of our common friends 
were in and around Atlanta. And so it made a lot of a lot of sense for us, plus easy for other people to get to and all that stuff. Plus, it's a really cool place. It's a nice little town. And it's the day after the 4th of July. So like right. our, our rehearsal dinner is on the 4th of July. And yeah. I mean, the whole country set off fireworks to celebrate our wedding. That's awesome. right. That's right. <laughs> And it happens every year. Yeah, Our anniversary, they they set off fireworks. Yeah, like, All right, you can go for it. Yeah. And so not, not so much this year. It's kind of... I feel like... Not as much. Yeah, I don't know. This yeah. year's weird. Anyway, yeah. But they just didn't care much about six as a... As, yeah, six. But there were fireworks like all July. Sure. I don't know. I don't this know. This is neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, we got married in, in Georgia and it was great. It was a beautiful, fantastic, really hot... Not unbearably hot. Not as hot as it could have been for day. the fact that we got outside, married outside yeah. in July in Georgia. Yeah. So all in all, it's really good. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, okay. So what uh, what's your fun fact about me? Uh, I think the fun fact, I don't think I've used this one before. I think my fun fact for tonight is one of what I think is like one of the more endearing things about Stephanie Wilson, and it's that Stephanie knows no words to any songs. Mm, that's a good one. But she's very enthusiastic about singing the songs, and so she well, she just makes them up. She just makes up words, and sometimes there are words that are real words, and sometimes it's just like <laughs> and that's what that's how Steph sings songs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real cute though. Thanks. It's. It's it's very real. And and his face does the same thing every time I start to do it. He'll like I'll be singing like just really enthusiastically and then he'll kinda of get quiet and he'll just kinda of laugh like it's looking at me like what was that? Yeah. What did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, that's that's true. Okay, so my fun fact about Carl is that he is really, really good at impressions and accents. And this fun fact would be way better if Carl's the kind of person who like immediately jump into one and show you this fun mm. talent, yeah. but he's not, he like holds it in his back pocket and you have to be around long enough in, in order to like see it come out. And then when you do, you're super lucky, but he did on purpose, bring it out in front of a lot of people. Uh, he, he's done it a couple of times. We volunteer, we, we volunteered for several years at this middle school summer camp, and Carl kind of got roped into being like the the entertainment um, somehow at this church camp. And uh, so one year in particular, he dressed up as a French robber named Robert. And he had a, like a fake mustache glued to his like real, real beard uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, like a whole costume and just a super, super thick French accent. And he did it all week. And it was... <laughs> It was so much fun. And so, and, and I, I do have video of it, but for the sake of my, like my marriage and uh, him ever doing any accent in front of me again, I can't show it to you. Yeah. So maybe someday the occasion will arise where yeah. accent will be appropriate, but yeah. Um, so anyway, okay. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you guys know these things now. Um, so Carl, I have this whole list of questions, um, mm -hmm. from, from the women. Yeah. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. So we got to like be, we got to be snappy totally. as much as we can. Um, so here's the first question. All right. Uh, one. it's for, so someone said, Steph, you wrote about the between places that you've been through in life, but for th those of us who are still waiting for our books to arrive because like one poor launch team, uh, the postal service is like so overwhelmed yeah, right now. You guys have support the postal service and buy stamps, send mail. Everyone loves a letter. 
You guys have been so patient. We're so sorry. And um, they've I know they've been doing the best they can. So anyway, but also I know that a lot of women who've bought the book this week or recently or something like might not have gotten all the way through it yet. So for women who who have, like have the book in hand or about to get it, um, but haven't gotten to read the whole thing yet, can you guys tell us about a few of the between places you've been through in life? Totally. I mean, I think that obviously there are a lot and there are some that are easier to recognize. I think when you're, you know, growing up, you don't realize that you're in them. You're just like a lot of the early ones are just life. Like yeah. you don't know that on some level, because this is true across the board. I think a lot of between places, well, all, all of them are growth phases, but we do a better job as like a society and a culture of giving the warning that those early ones in life are growth phases than we do the later ones in life where it's like you're supposed to have it figured out. So like high school is a between place of like you're you're responsible for yourself. You're not in middle school anymore where just anything goes like you have some personal responsibility. Maybe you have a job like maybe you you have to start thinking about college and you have to start making decisions for yourself, but you don't know where you're going yet. And you don't necessarily know what you're going to study. And you don't know who you're going to be on the other side of that thing. And college is the same kind of way, but we position those things as like experimenting times and figuring out times and like try things times. And so we have permission for that to like be of time to learn and, and grow. And then all of a sudden you graduate from college and like you're, it, it stops being a conversation about learning and growing times and starts being a conversation about like deciding and knowing times. And that's not real. They're like you haven't done all of the growing and learning and deciding you're going to do by like the time you like before you turn 22. Like it just doesn't isn't how that goes. And so I think there are a lot of those early ones that we can look back on and go, oh, well, actually, like I've done this before this it, whatever I'm in right now, even if you're like you're in college, you just graduated and you think this is your first like between place. It's not, you just, it wasn't called that. You weren't forced to think about it that way. Um, so think back about what those past ones have been and, and how like God has been faithful, who was around you, who helped you through those things. Cause they're probably a lot of the same people who uh, are the same roles in your life that will, will be there and, and do the same thing in whatever the current one is. But so like, high school is one college is one like the one big one for me i think we're going to talk later about like more specific ones aren't we yeah yeah but like one for me is like i graduated this is gonna uh, i'm not one of the people that's like oh i don't care how old i am but like i graduated from college in 2009 and that was like the recession hit in 2008 and all of like the the worst time to try and find a job was pretty much in 2009, like between 2008 and 2010. But like, I wasn't, I went to a really good school. I had really good grades and the kind of stuff that I thought I was going to be able to do when I graduated wasn't stuff that was available to me. And so I had to rethink what, like, this was an unexpected between place. I thought I would go straight from college to job. And instead I was left with this like time that no one plans for. Like you don't, I think that, yeah, you go to college with the expectation that when you graduate, you get a job in the thing more than likely that you studied. And that wasn't the case for me. So I had to try and figure out what that was going to be. It led to a lot of things. One of the most profound growth seasons of my life. Um, it ultimately led to me meeting Steph and, and us getting here and all of that stuff. But I chose to do 
program called the World Race. And I looked into everything. I looked at Teach for America. I looked at Peace Corps. I looked at Mercy Ship. I like all these different things of like, I want to get away. I know that this, like, I immediately saw it as an opportunity once I got past the idea that like I was a failure. Because <laughs> like other people I know are getting jobs. I'm not getting a job. It must be my fault. And so if that's not going to happen and I don't want to like settle for something, what's the opportunity here? And the opportunity was to travel and to do something that like I wouldn't get to do at another time. And so I was looking at all these different things and just discovered um, the world race. And that was the one that I that I picked. But that was a really important, totally unexpected one for me. Yeah. I think, you know, some of the ones that we talk about in the book that you guys don't get to hear about are you know, uh, one for me was when I, I met, I became a Christian at the very, very end of college and all of college I had planned on being a journalist. And I was like sprinting towards that career and like getting internship. I mean, I just was like working, I was on my way. And then right before graduation, it's like God vacuumed that desire out of my heart. And it didn't feel optional. It didn't feel like I like lost interest. It just, he like, and it wasn't anything around me that changed. It's like, he just like flipped something inside of me. And all of a sudden that's not what I was doing anymore. And so I was like four months from graduation with absolutely no plan for my life. And like, I was about to get this degree that all of a sudden I wasn't going to use. And so that was a really big between place. Um, I think that when we, you know, one thing I talk about in the book is when we uh, we're dating and trying to decide like, is this my person? You know, like, I love you a lot. This is going really well, but like, how do you know if like, how do you make really big decisions? That's a big thing that we have to do in between places. And it was really big decisions are really stressful for me. We also lost a series of jobs that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So losing jobs is a between place moving yeah. um, across the country to a different state. Those are between places. And then really most recently, you know, we've talked about this a fair bit recently. We'll talk about it again tonight. We just went through a really long season of infertility. Yeah. And so, uh, that's kind of the, those are kind of the between places that we've, that we've been through that we talk about. But yeah, so those are some of the between places that we talk about. And, um, I know that like you guys knowing those things and then also, um, just being in your own, like between places, they look all different ways for all of us. Um, but there are some things in common, which, which is cool. Um, and so my hope is that through kind of some of the things that we've been through that we can encourage you guys too. So, um, here's some of the specific questions we got. Uh, the first one says, uh, right now I'm a senior in college and I'm ready to be done with school and the job I'm currently in. My boyfriend and I are planning on getting married shortly after I finish school. And so, and I'm so excited about that and all that's coming up right now. It feels like I'm stuck somewhere. I don't want to be. How can I enjoy make the most of this last year of college while still preparing for these exciting new changes? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have thoughts about that? Yeah. The easiest like bite size snippet to me about this is um, had a, a teacher and a mentor a few years ago who would always talk about how the way you finish one thing like projects into the way you start the next thing. And so his thing was always to like finish things well. And that works on a lot of different levels, but it's about being present, right? It's about being grateful. It's about keeping like things at, at eye level, right? We want to be here. We don't want to be looking too far ahead and we don't want to be looking like straight down or, or yeah. And so if we focus on, we know we're coming toward to the end of something, 
taking the time to stop and appreciate what that thing has been and, and how do we like squeeze the last bits out of it and look for things, you know, that we've missed or whatever, knowing that while the next thing may be really great, there's something in this time that can help like propel us into the next thing. Yeah. There's something really special about this time that you like, there's, there's still something to learn here. Mm -hmm. And I I think that when we practice, like, we need to practice being present because I think that if we get in the habit of looking towards the next thing, like truly we're always looking towards the next thing. It's like a carrot on a stick, like it moves with us. Um, and so I think it's, it's a discipline really to, to, to really be where you are, even when it's not exactly what you want, because I mean, it's like the next thing's marriage. Okay. Well then like for us, you know, we just like, decided we're going to try to have a baby. And then two years later, like we're still not pregnant. And and so it's when you're looking for the next thing, you just miss everything that's here today. So yeah, I, I really love that. Carl. For that one specifically, I do want to say like that, that we've talked about this before. I think like marriage is really great and it's really fun and we really like it. Also, one of our favorite times independently that we both thought was one of our favorite like times was the time right before we got engaged and, and then right before we got married and the relationships that we had then the people that we were living with and like our roommates then and and the friendships that were that were like growing and taking shape around us in a time um that was so important to us and i just yeah that's it's Again, back to the thing, but like what happens right before the thing that you really want is also important. Yeah. And it, I mean, we talk about this a lot. It's, it, we talk about it in the between places that um, the way that we the, the way that we are in the present, like when we are in the present and when we're learning the lessons and, and interacting with God and, um, you know, like connecting with people like when we're really present that's when we like that time prepares us so well for what's next and so you know the time when we were single by really being present in it that's we see the fruit of that in our marriage all the time Mm -hmm. and we really strive to do that the same thing like we got to learn that lesson all over again you know waiting to to have a baby we really were present in that time as much as we possibly could and that didn't mean it wasn't like hard, you know, but, but we really tried to soak up all of it. And I mean, we haven't gotten to see the fruit of this yet, but I mean, I think we're going to be so much better parents because of, uh, because of that time. So this is a, it's a really important, um, it's really important time. I really like that. Finished, finished well. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a different, like kind of flip on, on a similar question. Um, how do you live in a hopeful place when you're not sure if you'll ever leave your between place? And her example is um, that she's really longing for marriage and a family, and she's not sure that she's ever going to experience that. So how do you like truly believe that God's plans for you are good when they when you're kind of wondering if they might be really pretty far off from what you were hoping for? <laughs> you want me to answer? I don't know. It's this well, is hard. I think that there's a really profound reality in in this. And it actually, I think, goes back to like, it, this is all all connected. One, I think, is that we're constantly like we as people have to work to align ourselves to like God. It doesn't come always naturally. And so a lot of times the reason that we're like the dissatisfaction that we feel is is and this is not the case for like for for marriage or kids or a lot of the things that we want are like good wholesome things that are part of us that that 
are really, really good things. I'm saying sometimes the things that we're really hopeful for aren't the right thing at the right time. And so sometimes it's about timing. Sometimes it's about our own priorities and our own where our focus is on things. But I think the the really profound thing, and I, part of what's important about, like we may have between places that last your whole life. It, like that, that's possible because God says that this is a between place where we are being here in this body, in this world is a between place. It's not the destination. And so we feel that we feel the dissatisfaction of that in a lot of different ways, but that's the reality of what it, what it is to not be done yet. Right. And we don't get to be done yet until someday. Right. Don't even like even, yeah, really like until the, till all of creation is redeemed. And so we feel all the time, the frustrations and the dissatisfactions that's all throughout the Bible of people so frustrated and so fed up about those two things, about how who you are right now doesn't line up with who you want to be. You are in a personal between place and how who we are and where we are stuck as a people is not where we want to be. And the spirit in us is dissatisfied with that because we know we're not home. We know we're in between. And so there's I want to get back to like the specifics of the question, but there that's the profound reality in all of this is that our life as humans on earth is a between place that's so anyway. I just have to say I did not think about that. Like <laughs> that like you just blew, you just blew my mind. And that's that's so true. Yeah. Um I think what I want to say is is that this is just really hard. Mm-hmm. It is just really hard. I don't know. Like, I just wish we could all just like sit and hug each other. Like yeah. it just, it is. I mean, we did not know as we were trying to get pregnant forever. I mean, we just, we didn't know if we were ever going to get to have yeah. our own kids ever. Yeah. Yeah. And we had no promise of that. Like, you know, there are things in life we're just not guaranteed. And that's really hard. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, we were wrestling with that a lot. Like, how do we, is God so good if we don't get this thing that we really believe is good that we right. really, really want? Like, right. how do we reconcile that? And that's, I think, one of the hardest things we ever have to do in our lives. Yeah. And, it, and it it shows up in our lives in lots of different ways. For some of us, it's singleness. For some of us, it's parenting. For some of us, it's why did my, like, why won't this, why won't God heal this person? Like, mm-hmm. they're just, it's the hardest part of our faith, I would say. 100%. But I think for me, the thing that I, that kind of carried me through that was, was looking back on God's faithfulness, both in scripture and in my past and in your past and in the past of like my friends and my family mm-hmm. and seeing that even when things didn't feel good, God was still good mm-hmm. and he still was up to something. Yeah. And so I believe that even if we don't all get what we want, which we're not all going to get what we want, God is still, he's still good. Yeah. But that's really, really. It is. It's the. It's why it's faith. It's it's every and it's what separates the faith piece of hope from the wishful th- piece of hope. In that, like, and it's it's everything in our world 
is fighting against this, right? Everything around us is how do we make things faster? How do we make things more immediate? How do I give you more control over your life? How do I give you more personal liberty? And this is the opposite of that. And part of that is what makes it like so so true to me is like people don't come up, like people do the opposite of this. People want control. People want immediacy. And in these seasons, we have to fight through faith to patience. We have to fight to set, like relinquish control. We have and be okay with it. And it's still front, like not being okay and not being frustrated are not the same. Like you're allowed to be frustrated and still also be okay with stuff. Like that's part of being a person. But what's cool about it is that like, it's, it's in the pushing through and in like letting go of the things and, and in letting the the stuff that comes up, the stuff that happens when we take our hands off is, is often much better and much more rewarding and much more lasting than the, the thing that we were like, that we were so intent on. Yeah. This morning I got to interview uh, Crystal Evans Hurst who's an author and she's just like incredible. And I don't know when exactly this episode is going to come out versus when her episode comes out, but, um, go check this. Whenever you're listening to this, go check the show notes because she, she and I talked about that this morning. Mm -hmm. And like, first of all, the woman basically has the whole Bible memorized. It is unbelievable. Uh, second, she, I mean, she had some really incredible answers for this. And so I'm really, uh, I really want you guys to go check that out. So, okay, we're going to go to the next one. Um, Let's see. Uh, This is a great question. I'm really excited to hear your answer on this. (laughs) Um, So I had a couple of people ask this or versions of this. Um, She said, my boyfriend and I are between dating and marriage. I'm ready for marriage. He's not. How do you navigate finding balance between respecting and validating his feelings while also advocating for my own concerns as well? Yep. On the one hand, I think like if you, if we figure out how to, I'm both trying to be careful because I'm not the kind of person who really likes to like blame the church for all the problems in the world. Um, cause it's oftentimes the opposite, right? Like I think the church is a lot more good than it gets credit for. But I think one of the things we're not very good at is dis- like discipling men. And if we figure out how to get men to get over their commitment issues, like then we'll have made a big step forward. That said, it's usually comes down to a couple of specific things for me it was about provision, right? It was that, that there's all this pressure on, on us right or wrong. There are these gender norms, whether we agree with them or not, like it's, it's taught to us so early that we can't even like, it's so subconscious at this point. Like it's just part of what factors into the things that we're afraid of. And for me, it was about provision, um, about, do I have a stable enough job? Do I have like, it was important for me to like save enough money to buy like an engagement ring that I wanted. It's not important to everybody, but that was one of the things that was important to me. And so that's one thing is like provision and having those conversations and, and figuring out if that's the thing. And it's a really good excuse to talk about money early. Cause you're going to have to, a lot of people talk about getting engaged and talk about life beyond, and they don't know anything about each other's like finances or money or, or things like that. And I'm not saying get a joint credit card. Don't what I were like, a bank joint bank account don't what I'm saying is have the conversation and be open and honest about the things that you're afraid of about like, why is this scary to you? Or, you know, that's often what it is. The other one that's just, uh, just is, 
is typically they feel like they're not ready or they aren't ready to like make a decision. And we're going to talk about another one in a second about like when you just like the decision point time. Um, Cause I know that's one that's, that's true for guys in this sense. A lot of times of like, I don't know if she's the right one or whatever, or I don't know if he's the right one. Like that's super common question, but also there are things that I know a lot of guys like feel like if, if, I'm not ready for everyone to like marriage is presented, especially in the church as, and it is this ultimate like level of intimacy where somebody knows all the things about you. And some people aren't ready for everyone to be like, they have a really hard time. They haven't been taught or they don't like, we're afraid of the unknown pieces. It's really not like the thing that we make it out to be is worse than what it really becomes. So I think it's about to your question, having really honest conversations. Cause if you can't, it's not like, if you can't have one of the conversations about it, then you're not on the same page. If you're not actively working toward the same thing, it don't wait. Like, I don't know the guy and I'm not trying to like, don't waste your time with somebody who's not trying to work toward the same things you're trying to work toward. So if you're okay waiting, it's not like you're, yeah, that's fine. I'm not trying to tell you, you need to be on a schedule that you didn't put on yourself. But if it's something that's important to you, figuring this out and working through the barriers that are standing between you and this thing that in theory you both want because you're dating, then you need to be willing to do the work to do that together. And if he's not willing to do the work to figure out what's standing in between him and being able to commit to somebody, then it's just not going to happen. I had, um, someone tell me one time I like was kind of talking to this guy, liked him a lot. Um, and we spent, um, we were traveling together. And so we were together like a hundred percent of the time yeah. for like months. So this guy really knew me. Like he knew me at breakfast and lunch and dinner. Like, I mean, we really, really knew each other. We knew each other in, like in fun ways, in you know spiritual ways. We're like preaching and teaching and learning about God together. So, I mean, we got to see each other in all kinds of scenarios. And I remember talking to him one time being like, and we were kind of trying to decide if we were going to kind of move forward into a relationship and I remember him telling me that he was 90% sure about me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I mean, there's, there's a degree to which that's like, when you get married, you, you are, there's a leap of faith to that. You know, you are, you are, you haven't known this person your whole life. You've never done anything for your whole life. So you're kind of committing to something yeah. that, that you're not totally sure about, mm-hmm. but the fact that he was like 90% sure he wanted to date me, but wasn't a hundred or was it like, there's 10% missing. I didn't have another 10% to show it. Yeah. And I think that that's what happens a lot of times when we've been dating someone for a really long time and we're talking about marriage and one person's ready and the other person's not. It's at some point, it's like, we've been dating for a long time. Like I don't have anything else to show you. Yeah. I don't know what you're waiting for, for me to prove to you. Um, or like, you know, what quality in me you haven't seen yet. Like I've, I've put all my cards on the table. I don't have anything else to show you. And so if, if with my cards on the table, if this isn't, if you're not ready to say yes, if, if I'm not the person you want to say yes to, I need to know that so that I can move on. Um, and I, and I mean, that's what happened obviously, because it wasn't Carl (laughs) That's that's what happened with me and that guy. Just it, I don't have anything else to show you. And so that's really hard. There's a story about this last thing, Chris Tomlin, met his wife late. He was already doing the music thing, traveling around a bunch and somebody set them up on a date. They liked each other, like hit it off, whatever they dated for a while. And like he was traveling and it wasn't like he didn't prioritize their relationship. 
he would like when he was there, when he was present, great. They're on the same page. When he wasn't, they like he didn't he didn't call her. He wasn't like checking in. He wasn't like doing little things to like pursue her when he was, you know, pursuing music. It was very binary. And she dumped him. She and they were like, I love it because like a lot of people get to the point of like, I think they were like in their late 30s. And she was like, I, everything says I should settle for this. Cause like, who knows how much time I have left, but she didn't. And she said, Nope, I'm not doing that. I don't, I like you, but this is enough where I know it's not good enough for me. She dumped him, dated someone else. And then they like the next time when she became single again, you better believe he had his stuff together. Cause he knew. And I think that I'm not saying you like manipulate the situation to like, but sometimes that's what guys need. Sometimes guys need to know that you're willing to walk away for that to be enough to like get them into shape. Yeah. I think we do need to be willing to walk away because like, it's, it's not, there were so many things that I tried to kind of like so many things I tried to gloss over in guys that I would date, you know, along the way it was like everyone, everyone was an almost it was like, this guy is so great. I like everything about him, except for the fact that he, yeah. when I'm not around, he doesn't check in. Like, I, I feel like if I'm not right in front of him, I kind of don't exist. And, mm-hmm. and like, I would, and I tried to gloss over that. I'm like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Well, the relationship didn't end up working out. Thank the Lord. And looking back, I'm like, that is a really big deal. That's uh, not something that right. I would have wanted to settle for. Or yeah. like, it is a really big deal when your spouse is not there and and they're not checking in with you. You that's yeah. something that is a hundred percent needed and necessary in a relationship and things and things like that. I'll say I am a much better person, man, husband, because I got dumped. Because <laughs> girls said you're not a good enough man yet. Like, and I think that that's important. I think that like. It sucks because they had to be the one to tell me, right? All of those people had to be the one to say, you are not like, and it's some people, it was just like, this isn't a good fit. But for some people, it was, you don't meet my standards. And on the, like, at first that hurts, but also it's real. It's true. If they were lying, it wouldn't hurt, but they were telling the truth and it, it, so it did hurt, but that is what motivated me to get better and to do the things that made me want to be good enough for the person that I wanted to be with. That's really cool. So you're pretty great. Sometimes <laughs> I you know, got dumped a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our, our next question actually is kind of on the same lines, you know, uh, she says, I'm dating a great guy and I know he's wonderful and I know that I love him. I just don't know if he's the one mm-hmm. he really could be. But the thing is, I don't know how to really know if anyone, I don't know what the one means. People say you just know, and I just don't know anything. So do you guys have any advice about how to make a decision this big and life changing? What do you think? (laughs) This was a little bit harder for me. I think again, really big decisions, really hard for me. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit later about um, deciding to have a baby and like, like I literally like had to breathe into a paper bag for Mm -hmm. like a couple of years about, about that one. I think that, you know, and actually we talk about this in, in the between places a lot. There's a whole section where, um, we talk about, about how to like make decisions and, and, um, kind of what my process was. But one of the things that I'm really glad I did was to give myself time. And there's sometimes there are decisions we have to make in a, in a snap, 
I think that those decisions tend to be important ones, but not life-changing ones. Like sometimes you need to decide if you're going to take this job or that job. But the good news is that if you take the wrong job, you can always quit and get a different job. Like even if you committed, even if you moved for it, like a job is something where you can actually like redirect if you took a wrong turn. Things like getting married or having a baby, those are things that are are permanent. So so you're allowed to have some time. We we talked really pretty quickly about marriage because we both dated a lot and we'd both done a ton of work in our own lives and like grown a lot as people. And so we had a pretty good idea of what we were looking for. And so when we started dating, we were like, oh, like there's something really like I might've just found my person. And so pretty quickly we started talking about marriage. And at first I was so excited and like, and I mean, we're like giddy. We're talking about getting married quickly. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, why are you laughing? Cause I know how I know the story. <laughs> um, and then I, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I freaked out and I, I wouldn't have said I was scared of marriage. I wouldn't have said I had commitment issues. I just, it, I was asking this exact question. Like I really love him, but my heart has led me in all kinds of directions before, I I didn't feel like I could trust it. And so I'm like making these really concrete mental lists of like, how do I scientifically prove that this is the right person for me to marry? And I'm praying and I'm asking God to like, tell me what to do. And he wouldn't do it. And so really, you know, again, we talk about this in the between places a lot. And so if you're trying to make a big decision, uh, I believe it's section two (laughs) that we talk about (laughs) it. Um, That'll help you way more than this will. But Um, One of the things I am really glad that we did was we took a step back, not from each other, but from talking about marriage. Like we just said at one point, like, we're just going to stop talking about marriage for a while and we're going to just date and just be together. And that was awesome because it kind of like we talked about at the beginning, because we were sprinting ahead to like, we're going to get engaged and we're going to get married or whatever. Like we all of a sudden kind of stepped out of the dating season. And so we started to miss it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when we stopped talking about the future, we were able to just like be a dating couple. And we, yeah. we didn't get to do like, you only get to do it once. Yep. And so it's a season that like we would have missed out on if we wouldn't have been really present for it. But really we took marriage off the table for a while. And that was so helpful because I really got to spend the time with God that I needed. I got to go to counseling, which I needed. Um, and Carl and I got to have tons of conversations and it was cool because in that time, you know, all the, all those pieces helped, but it was really cool because Carl, his character that he showed me through dealing with my freakouts for like almost a year showed me who he is when stuff gets hard. And so by the, kind of by the end of that, as I was like kind of working my way through, I could look back at at who we were when things just really weren't okay. And I'm like, that is the kind of man I want to spend my life with. Mm. I just got to know so much more about him by taking that much more time. And so by the time he did ask me to marry him, I got to say the like most enthusiastic, yes, I was so sure. But it's because we had just been through the ringer together and got to see who each other was. Yeah. I showed to be kind of a mess. You were, you were pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And it, we, we go both ways. Uh, as people, sometimes we just, we make it too like abstract and too mysterious. And we just say like, Oh, I'm just going to know when really like we, some people need to sit down and go, okay, how, like, what do I need to know to be able to know? 
right? Like what I haven't really, it's no one's going to hand you an envelope and say, this is the guy, right? Like you have to have some things for yourself, understanding yourself, your own personal, like this is not what I need this person to be. Although that's part of it. It's what do I need in order to know? What do I need to know in order to know? And then the other one is to just like, more importantly, like, what do I need to just decide? What do I need to like, and go through all the things of like, what if I said no? Would I be okay with that? What if I said yes? Would I be okay with that? Like, how would I feel about that? And I know that it's like, they're all hard things and we can wrestle around with those things all the time, but like, we've got to do some introspective personal work to go. What's, what's just like I said before, looking at I'm ready, but he's not like, that's one way when it's the other person you go, okay, how do I help them work through these things? What if I think they're ready and I'm not, what are my things? What are the things that are standing in my way of this thing that we're supposed to be like working toward together? And am I willing to tackle those things and and take those things on? Um, I think the next question really works um, into like the second half of this answer. Yeah. And so I think we should just jump right into to that. It's how do you deal with literally being between two places and not knowing which place is the right fit? Your heart is in one place, but job and life is in another. And you're so torn on where you feel like you're supposed to be because either place could be right. And you're kind of pressed for time and making a decision. And I bring that up because it happens with things like that, right? Happens with where to go to college. It happens with what kind of job and and where to live, to move or not move. But it also happens in relationships of like, is this the person or is this not the person? Do I want to like been dating this guy for a while? Do we like go further or go or, or like pursue this further or do we break it off? And I think that the thing that sticks out to me is the statement that like, you're so torn on where you feel like you're supposed to go or supposed to be because either place could be right. And the answer is yes, either place could be right. Do you want to do that journey? Like, do you want to take that, that journey? Because probably it's not very few things about this kind of stuff could you ever know it's the right thing or the wrong thing? Even after the fact, right? Sometimes we go, Oh, that was a bad idea. But sometimes we go through it and it like, it what maybe wasn't like ultimately the right thing, but it was the right choice at the right time to get you through to the next thing, right? Like we've got to ha- be okay with that. We got to be okay with these see these between places later in life still being times where we give ourselves permission to learn and grow and experiment and figure things out. And the consequences of getting it wrong are really not that great with the exception of like, should we, should we have a baby or is it like, should I marry this person that I know I probably shouldn't marry? But to me, I... When I was at a, a bachelor party in Seattle, um, the first time I really told any of my good friends that I was going to marry Stephanie and we we're sitting around, it's like a Saturday morning or something like that. And we're like having breakfast and one of my, it's just me and my friend. And he's like, so tell me about this girl you've been dating or whatever. And I said, I, I love her and I'm going to ask her to marry me. And he was like, what, really? And I was like, yeah, really? And he's like, how do you, how do you know? How do you know that like, she's the one, how do you know? I think a specific question was like, how do you know that? Like, aren't you curious that like of all the other women in the world, maybe there's someone better. And I was able to honestly look at him and say, no. Like not what I wasn't saying is there may be no one better. And we've talked about this. And so I know it's okay to say this. (laughs) There may be, there may be someone better in the world, but I don't care about them anymore. 
I don't care who that is. I don't care about pursuing that possibility because I want to pursue this possibility, right? The thing that we can create with the person we choose is always going to be better than the thing that could be with the person we'll never find. And like, that's what it comes down to. Like when Steph talks about, this is the character of the person that I want to figure this stuff out with. That's the thing we look for. Not does this person have it all together. It's do I want to solve the problems with this person? Do I want to deal with the stuff with this person? Do I want to figure it out with this person? Do I want to grow and learn and become the next version of us with this person? And that's when, you know, for me was when I stopped caring about caring about the other possibilities and that's on it. Like to bring it back to like Jesus, terms or whatever, that's what it means when you take a vow to like forsake all others. That's what it means, right? That's when you think, and that's what I think it should be. Like when you say, I want to marry you, knowing what you're going to have to promise someone that that is in the back of your head, right? I'm going to choose on that day to forsake all others, to abandon everyone else who might be a possibility for this. And to me, that's like, that's the decision. Not as this the perfect person. Am I willing to like, am I ready to stop caring about everyone else and put everything I have into making this the best version of this? My mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, we've, we've obviously we've talked about this before, but yeah. I just, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you shared it. And I don't know if I've heard you like, explain it exactly that way. Um, there's this podcast that we've been listening to. Uh, it's called Dadville. Um, who are the hosts? Dave Barnes and John, John McLaughlin. Two singer songwriter guys live here in Nashville. Um, both are, are dads. If you are into poppy singer songwriter guys, highly recommend so the the show carl started listening to it and and it's about how to be a good dad and but they talk to all these different people and the stories are really cool and you know we were listening to one yesterday where this guy this artist was saying you know i i looked at all these different you know he's he's talking about how we how we got into music and he's like you know i tried pursuing sports but i wasn't that good at it and so i just kind of and i didn't want to really put in the work and then he said, you know, I, I looked at acting and I liked acting, but, but I could see that it was just kind of going to be a slog, like to really pursue that for my whole life. And he said, and I, I didn't love it enough to put, to like go through that slog. And then he starts talking about music. And in the beginning of his career, he's talking about how he was a street performer for four years. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he made money was performing on the street for four years. And that is a slog. Like mm-hmm. talk about a, a freaking like a hard talk about, talk about a, like a long journey with like not very much. It's like his job, but he would talk about how that's how he paid the bills. So like when it's raining, he's going out on this like third street promenade in Santa Barbara or whatever. And like in LA and Santa Monica. Yeah. And singing and playing guitar and yeah. hoping that like people will throw him 10 bucks or like, whatever. so like that. So, so he's talking about acting and he's saying like, that looks hard. But I'm not really willing to, to do that, that version of hard. But he says, but then he starts talking about music yeah. and he's willing to put in four years of being a street performer, making like zero money. He said that like, you know, every once in a while you'd have to move, like move stations. And he's like, I can see the guy with like the monkey, like the monkey guy, like kind of honing <laughs> in on that. In. Yeah. He's coming in on that spot. And so yeah. anyway, he's talking about this. And I think that that's the thing is like, life is 
is crazy and weird and hard. And, and there's so many things that you go through in life. And, and so many things you can be so many things that could be the right thing. And, and you, with, whether it's a person or whether it's a job, you have to decide whether that's the brand of hard and weird and figure it out that you want to commit to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, you know, Carl and I, neither of us were under any illusions that the other one was perfect. You know, um, we each had a, like the big things that the other one was looking for the character things, the relationship things, the communication things, like there were things that we were looking for in each other that we both had. And that was really, really important. But when it came down to it, like I just was thinking about, about the music and the acting thing, when you were talking about, um, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I want to put in the work with this person. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to put in those like four years of, of, you know, making no money and performing in the rain for this goal. That's the kind of, that's the thing I want to commit to. And like life is going to be crazy and weird with anybody. Um, life is going to be hard with anybody. Life is going to be like, could be sweet with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You just like, we just have to pick what brand of sweet and what like yeah. we want to pursue and what, what brand of hard we're willing, like we're, we want to pursue. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. What slog we want to commit to. Yeah. And, 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 and who you want, like, to be by yourself. Yeah. Who, who you want to do that with? Cause that's the whole point is it's not like, that's the whole, again, back to the whole thing of like the vows are all the richer, poorer, sicker, like sickness, health, all that stuff is like, all of this stuff is going to change and go up and down. And none of it's, nobody says, who do you want to do perfect life with? Like, that's not a real thing. It's who do you want to do the worst things and the best things? Who do you want next to you? And if it's not that person, find the right, find the, find the person it is. Cause they're not going to make it perfect. Right. They're the one who are like, make it better, but no, nothing makes it perfect. And so, yeah, it's just, who do you want to do? Who do you want to celebrate the great stuff with? And who do you want to like figure out the rest of the junk with? And with the, like the other piece of it that I don't want to lose in all of this is like, with the exception, like we said, of like, of, of marriage, and with babies, like all of the other stuff you can figure, like you can change, you have permission. It doesn't always feel like that, but like you can get, you can, if nothing is permanent, nothing is. So if it's, if it's truly, you can live in this place and have this job, or you can live in this other place and have this other job, unless it's, I know in my soul that I am like being disobedient to what God has like put on me by going to one of these and doing one of making one of these choices, then go use the brain that you've been given and the passions that you've been given and the freedom and permission and authority that you've been given to go choose and make something good. Like the, we often think of God's will as binary. Like this is, the wrong choice and this is the right choice. And I think what I've learned in my life is that when it's the wrong choice, you know, it's the wrong choice. And when it's not the wrong choice, go nuts. Someone needs to write that down. Can someone write that down? (laughs) Hey friends, I wanted to take a quick pause from my conversation with Carl to thank our sponsor for today. Our sponsor for today's episode is an amazing company called Pros. Pros creates hair care products like shampoo and conditioner that are customized for your specific hair. And not just like what color or how thick it is, 
They take every single aspect of your hair type, color, thickness, oiliness, and more into consideration. The process starts with an online consultation. I did it a while back and it was so much fun. It felt like one of those magazine quizzes I used to love. Let's be honest, still love. And it was easy, but it was also super in-depth. They asked me so many questions that I wouldn't have thought to answer, like how much does your hair shed or is your hair oily at the ends or just near your scalp? So you answer a bunch of specific questions, they take all of your answers, and then their algorithm puts together the perfect products for your specific hair. And get this, they have over 50 billion formula combinations. Billion, isn't that insane? So you know that you're getting a formula that is perfectly tailored to you. So anyway, I did the questionnaire and then I placed my order and just a few days later, the package showed up on my doorstep and I was impressed right at the beginning. Everything from the box to the packaging was beautiful. I ordered a pre-shampoo mask, a shampoo and a conditioner. Um, and they came in such beautifully designed bottles and all the bottles had my name on them. So fun, such a personal touch. The first time I used the products, I was blown away immediately by the fact that they smell so good. Seriously, every time I take a shower, it's like a spa day right in my bathroom. The other thing I think is cool is that they give you detailed instructions on how to actually use the products, which I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I was taught how to shampoo and condition my hair. But I was so grateful because I learned so much, like how long you should leave the product on your hair and how much of it you should use. And the fact that if you rinse conditioner out with cool water, it makes your hair shinier. Isn't that cool? So anyway, I've been using these products for a while now and I'm already noticing a big difference. My hair feels silky and soft and looks even shinier. And the other thing I really like is that you can continuously customize your formula. They'll help you tweak things depending on how your lifestyle changes or even changes in the weather. Pros is also focused on providing clean and responsible products. Every product is free of parabens, sulfates, phthalates, mineral oils, GMOs, and is always cruelty-free. Plus, they list out every single ingredient they use on their website, so there are no secrets. Also, if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. But I have a feeling that's not going to be a problem. Guys, Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. You can take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off of your first order today. All you have to do is go to pros.com slash girlsnight. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash girlsnight for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Pros, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls Night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Carl. Okay, so uh, I know that you and Carl have experienced job loss. Can you tell us what happened and how you guys got through this between place? Mm, I I have I have quit a couple of jobs. So that was a choice, a between place choice that I made on my own, but those ones weren't nearly as hard as the time <laughs> someone else said pushed someone else pushed me into a a between place. One, like we talked about before, was right before, three months before we, we before our wedding. Um, so we're planning and, and prepping and trying to figure out, oh, we're going to have to live together now. Let's get an apartment. Where do we want to live? And all of a sudden, like, nope, not going to, probably not going to be there or, uh, you know, all that other kind of stuff. And so then we had to figure that out and we had to adjust and we did and we made it work, whatever. And jobs at th- at that particular moment our priority was like getting married and figuring out the rest of life and then like jobs are kind of like okay we'll we'll make it you know make something work but then like pretty soon i mean it really what it came down to was cuz we both lost our jobs at the same time like same day and 3 months before our our wedding so then we 
had to figure out like, how do we make sense of this thing knowing, okay, we know we want to live in the same place and we want one of us to be happy (laughs) doing what we're doing. So we went to, uh, we sat down and we talked about it. Like all those things I said, like we sat down and we talked about like how, what do we need to do to like make sense of all of this stuff and how like let's prioritize. On the one hand, we have the, the real obligations of like life and we need money to survive and all that stuff. But on the other hand, again, like back to one of the first things we we're talking about, of like, where's the opportunity in this? It was like, where are all the places we want to live? Like we don't have kids. We're just getting like newly married. Where are all like, where do we want to live? What are the possibilities for us? And what are we willing to like, what are the things that are, that are like non-negotiables and what are the things that we're willing to like tweak and play around with and whatever. And so for us, it was like, we can live a whole lot of places. Like, I don't have one place I want to live. You don't have one place you want to live. Like, let's kind of explore. Or I don't have one thing I want to do. I don't have one specific job. You don't have one specific job. Like, we know what kind of general direction we're headed, but we don't, you know, yeah, it's not specific what I'm, like, trying to to pursue. So, like, we know that's a variable that let, lets us have some flexibility in all of that. And so we ended up reaching out to some people um, who are a little bit ahead of us, a couple steps ahead of where the direction we wanted to go and said, Hey, what do you, what do you guys think that we should do? Can you just like, you know, give us some wisdom or some guidance or whatever. And they did. And they were really open and generous and helped us out. And it turned into a really be a really beneficial next step um, for us. And was really, I think, Yeah big and in, in helping us get through that then not that long i mean like six months. six months or eight months or something like that after that like we found ourselves looking for for jobs again and at one point the decision was like i said and i knew enough about like where i was in my career and my work that i was able to say like i can make some money doing this Steph was just starting out, like trying to write and and trying to figure out how to make that work as like full-time thing. And so we sat down and we had the conversation and just to me, it was like just the reality of like, for you to pursue this and be able to like do this, this is the time, like recognizing the opportunity in the midst of the between place of like, okay, this thing that we thought was things were going to look like, isn't what it's going to look like. So we have an opportunity to either be, passive and like take whatever comes along next or whatever, or be intentional and direct whatever we want it to be and then figure out the stuff we need to support that thing. And for us at that time, it was how to like the thing we want to be intentional about is setting stuff up to be able to become a writer and do that full time. And so for me, it was like, okay, what do I need to do? And worst, like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll like, if I have to, I'll wait tables. Like it'll only be temporary. Like I feel like I can get a job at some point, but if I can't, like the thing that we'll sacrifice will be whatever I want to do in order to like make this happen. And it never got to that point. Like we figured it out, but I think ultimately it was about looking for the opportunity and choosing what things you want to like focus on. What are the things you want to make sure happen? What are the things that you want to be purposeful and intentional about and, and um, then everything else kind of comes after. Yeah. I think that we, um, that's one of those things where 
you know, when we, when we lost those jobs, it was, it was pretty devastating. And I cried a lot, a Mm -hmm. lot, a lot, a lot. And I was really angry. I mean, I was angry for a long time about it. I felt very wronged in a lot of ways. And I think in a lot of ways we were, but now I think in, in the aftermath of that, we decided to make decisions like we had nothing to lose because we had nothing to lose. We had no money. And so we couldn't really lose any money. (laughs) We hadn't, we didn't even have house plans. Like we had no pets. We had no kids. We were just getting married. I mean, like we, we really, we were kind of at the bottom. We had nothing, we had nothing to lose. And so we got to kind of live that way. And so that's, you know, I got to pursue writing full time. If I made zero money doing it, that was like, kind of where I was already. <laughs> and, and same with Carl, like he got to really pursue his own thing and start his own company knowing that like, I mean, really we just, we just got to play like we had nothing to lose. And so mm-hmm. I think that while losing your job sucks, it sucks. It yeah. is so scary. It is so weird to walk into an office and then walk out with like a severance check and, or, or, you know, knowing you've been fired. I mean, it just is like, it's, it hurts yeah. your ego. It's terrifying. It just rips the rug right out from under you. But I am so deeply grateful for the fact that that safe, that sense of safety was taken from us because I think if it wasn't, we would have stayed in it for a long time, yeah. maybe forever. Yeah. And so I know that if you, if something has happened in your life, and I mean, it may be COVID, it may be like, I mean, it it could be anything. If something has happened in your life where something has gotten ripped out from under you, it is super painful. And so like, let yourself cry and be angry and feel all the feelings. But there is something to be said for the things that get built in the aftermath of that. I can't remember. Yeah. I think though that like, I understand and we, we understand that like that, not everybody has that like is in the position or, or, or immediately feels like there's a little bit of privilege in the like we got it's it's counterintuitive to like we got nothing to lose because some people have stuff to lose yeah. and that's really scary and that's that's real the thing i want to like impart is that it's not and it's not permanent like no matter what if your if your goal is to like you got a job once even if it takes months like it's not permanent you will like you will find something it will more often than not be better than what like where you were before and you have like use the use the time in between right like but it's not permanent yeah yeah that's a really good point i like this samantha said uh totally experienced that and it pushed me to make some bold choices like yeah where we we make it, it's an opportunity to make like losing yeah. a, a relationship losing losing really most things gives us the the excuse or the, the, it can be the catalyst for us making some of the best choices of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, no one ever shows up and says, okay, like here's the ticket to go do the dream. Like now you're ready to start your own, whatever it often is. Like somebody says the opposite, like, yeah. well, this didn't work. And for some people, like that's why there's a lot of stories about like, you know, a lot of us are doing stuff because it's just supporting us until we do the thing. Like if you're in a between place and you're waiting on the next thing, sometimes the start of the next thing looks like a really bad ending. Like, yeah. So yeah. Sometimes like for you. So we didn't know that what we were about to go into was like what, that the next thing was going to be starting our own business or st- like becoming a full-time writer or whatever that thing is. But like somebody said, 
well, the thing that you thought it was going to be, it's not going to be. So good luck. And say, okay, I guess now, like, now this is the thing. Now, like, because I decide, like, that this is what I want to, this is the opportunity I want. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, that's a really good question, actually. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Stephanie said, kind of a follow-up question here on Facebook Live. She said, what happens if the thing, if what you lost was your dream? Right. You know, Steph, I feel like, I'm just going to call you Steph because you call me Steph too. <laughs> I think that I would venture a guess without knowing all the details. I feel like you may have lost a piece of the dream, but I don't think you lost the whole thing. Like being rejected, being let go from a job, being not getting the the deal, um, not being chosen, uh, having something fall through, like that's, it, it can feel like that's the end of the story, but we get to choose if that's the end of the story or not. Mm-hmm. We get to choose if like not getting the book deal means that we're not going to be a writer right. when really like we just didn't get that one. I learned, uh, there was this woman when I wanted to be a journalist in college, there was this woman that I really looked up to. She was a, a like local reporter in Colorado in Denver. And she came to our class and she told us that she applied for 200 jobs before she was given one. 200. Mm-hmm. After I would say about after like 50, if you make it that long, if you have enough perseverance to make it that long, you're like, am I cut out for this? Because it seems like all these professional people are saying I'm not. Um, but she knew that a lot of times rejection isn't personal. A lot of times it's situational. A lot of times, like, you know, the, the hiring manager is looking for this really one specific thing. And it just happens that this person has 1% more of that than you do, or happen to see their application first or happen to have or a cold on so-and-so's you- nephew's fiance. And like, there's all this other stuff that doesn't have, like that's so not- many things that are happening and swirling around that don't have anything like. That's not like yeah. God shutting the door on you. And so I think, you know, whenever you hear any story of anyone who's been like wonderfully, amazingly successful in the world, they've been rejected and knocked down a whole bunch of times. And so my guess for you is that, whatever it is that you've lost or however you've been rejected or knocked down is it's, it's, it hurts really bad, but I would say like the dream is still out there. It just means you have to get up and try again. Okay. So, uh, we want to talk about, um, the next question says my husband and I are wanting to start a family maybe next year. What did you, when did you guys know that you wanted to start trying for a baby that whole, like, how, how did you, how did you know you were ready to have kids? Again, I freaked out a lot. We scheduled it. Like we planned it. We were like, okay, in three (laughs) months. So we had time to like lead up to it and like get ready. We didn't like. We said six months. Yeah. something. I mean, that's what I like. We didn't put the pressure on ourselves. Like, and I think that's important, right? Like it's back to the same thing of like, no one ever shows up and says now is the right time. So either life gives you deadlines or you're like proactive enough to give yourself some deadlines. But either way, like eventually the day comes where you just have to decide based on what you know, like right now. And that decision is either like not yet or yes, or maybe never, but like really at some point and maybe constantly you decide. So for a long time, we decided like every once in a while and it was like, okay, are we ready yet? And the answer was like, no, not yet. And it wasn't a specific time. And just occasionally it would be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And be like, Nope, not yet. And then eventually we realized like, okay, we need to be more intentional about this. So we're going like, are we ready in the next six months? Nope. Not ready in the next six months. Are we ready after six months? I think so. I think in the next six months I can get ready. If I know that it's coming and I know that 
that's where I'm supposed to be, where I need to get myself in six months, then I like, we can do that. I think that the thing that was really hard for me was that I had a lot of misconceptions and this happens a lot. This happened like if, I mean, if you guys have read the lipstick gospel, like this is the biggest hurdle I had to overcome in becoming a Christian was just this idea I had in my head of what Christianity looked like and who God was and what you had to do if you were going to be a Christian, which like absolutely none of those things were true. That was what I was afraid of in marriage. I remember telling Carl one time, like, you know, I don't know how to cook, right? Like, are you expecting me to have dinner on the table at like six o'clock every night? And he starts laughing because he's like, do you think I don't know you? Uh, Like I've never had dinner on the table in my life unless I ordered it and it was takeout and it was pizza. And like, it'll be here in a half an hour. But I think I, I just had all these misconceptions about who we had to become or, or what would happen to us. Like we did, I, I felt like in making a big decision, I was giving up all of my authority over my life and just boarding this train that would take me to like boring marriageville where we would be these people who didn't even like each other anymore. Or like where I got these ideas, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's everywhere. That's the whole thing. It's like, it is either this magical, like, rom-com everything is like serendipitously perfect and like even the bad things are like still cute and like (laughs) everything works out and it's like everyone's charming and witty and like or it's the opposite and the mom is like overextended like does all of the work with no credit and the dad's this slob who like wanders in at their day at like the factory and like sits in the recliner and like does nothing and is emotionally distant. And like, it just like, that's real. That's, that's, these are the pictures that we're presented about what it looks like. And like, yes, we have our parents and hopefully for a lot of us, they model something different or our friends' parents model something different or our mentors or whoever model something different, but it's so much work to overcome these like these other archetypes that are elevated and that are like, no one shows up and like goes to a theater to watch your parents parent. But we go to theaters to watch like the hilarity that ensues in like the mishaps between (laughs) the like goofy dad and the like, you know, and so we glorify it a little bit unknowingly, or we we, like see there's some vicarious living that happens in that. And so we learn that like, that's maybe that's a possibility. That's maybe what it's going to be like. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. And I didn't want any part of that. Like I did not want to be, I didn't want any part of that. And so for me with, with becoming a Christian, with getting married and with having kids, I needed to see some other people go first. Mm. And we had some of our, like some of my very best friends got pregnant and had babies before we did. And, um, we were, where were we? We were almost at the six month point. So we had talked on new year's and said, I think I had a, a dream. And I, I said, this is weird, but like I had a dream that we started trying to get pregnant in like June. And to my total shock, I was like, how do two people make a decision like this? Like, we're going to start trying then. I said that about the dream and Carl was like, we could do that. Like, that's how that happened. Like blow my mind. But it was May. It was, it was our birthday. And all my friends flew out from Colorado to stay with us for your birthday. Not my birthday. It was my birthday. I know you said it's our birthday. Oh, but all my friends have like we have oh. birthdays in similar in similar times. So not, they all, they all they all came out for our collective. Everyone who has a spring birthday, um, and they brought their little baby who's now four, which is crazy. And he lived with us for a week, and I got to see like I mean, first of all, I got to meet him when he was ten days old, and just fell in love with him. I got to see him in so many different like seasons of life. Um, he yeah lived with us for a week when he was one and a half, and by the time they left. 
Carl and I went for a walk and I was like, I think I'm ready mm-hmm. because I just needed to see what it looked like in real life. Not in a, not in a weird movie or not in like a rom-com. And, and so I think if you're scared, you're not alone. Yeah. I think everyone says you're not ever really ready. Like people are asking us like, we're ready to have twins. We're like, not a chance, no. but like, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, God had to do a lot of work in my heart to unravel some of those some of those like really big fears that I had. And it's yeah. just kind of one of those things that I consistently struggle with whenever there's a giant change in life. And yeah. and these have been some of the big ones. And so um, I think, you know, open communication about it and talk right. about it. And, but I think that kind of just like marriage, I don't think it's ever perfect, like perfect. We don't have anything together. We just, I don't know, God just, we just talked about it enough and got to see what it was like enough. And that yeah. we finally were like, okay, I think, I think we're, we're ready to give this a shot. And then of course it took two years. So yeah. So we are like going totally over time. And so I want to just ask, or I just want to do this last question. And you guys, if we didn't get to your question, I'm so sorry. We, but we've loved hanging out with you. Okay. So this last question is, and I feel like Carl's going to have something sassy to say to this. So I'm excited. And if he doesn't have something sassy to say, I have something sassy to say. How do you respond to people who ask about the between place? Uh, about your your current between place? Like, oh. obviously I want to be open with close friends and family, but like, random people are asking about your job or your relationship status or when you're going to have a baby. Uh, how do you deal with that? I already got sassy in my tone. Could you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? You choose who you answer and how you answer. Not everyone deserves all the full answer. Some people you can ignore. Some people can get the like, I don't know. And like, <laughs> that can be it. Or whatever you want to make up around the thing, whatever you want the thing to be. It's good to have like a good, just in the holster default answer when you like, don't want to, this is not the person. This is not the time. Like, I don't know. How about politics? Like whatever you want to change the subject to anything is better than like often I feel like than that stuff. So yeah. Well, the thing is that most of the time, sometimes people are being nosy. Other times people just don't know what to ask about. 100%. And so asking like high schoolers where they're going to college and stressing them out you know, to within an inch of their lives, yeah. asking college majors or like college students what their major is going to be or what job they're going to have after college. Yeah. Again, like give the kid a heart attack. Asking you like w- if you have a boyfriend or when you guys are going to get married yeah. or if you're pregnant yet or whatever. Like people just, it's for some reason, those they just don't have much of an imagination. They don't know what to ask. They don't know what else to ask. So I think that, an, an easy answer, and you might have to practice it if you're anything like me, like I have to have, I have to practice it is, you know, either I'm not sure, or so you can either say like, I'm not sure, or, you know, I don't really love talking about that, or I'm not comfortable sharing that with you. <laughs> you can say that, you know, like I don't really talk about, or I don't really share that with people, or that's something I like to keep private. You can say that that's a little less like harsh, you know, that's yeah. something I just don't like, that's something I keep private, but you know what? Something I am doing right now and tell them about your job or tell them about your hobby or yeah. tell them about the trip you just took or whatever, or give them something that like, give them like, just turn. It doesn't know. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be like the, the art of the redirect is a real, a real thing because yeah. it's true that most people aren't doing it. Obvi- like, obviously most people aren't doing it to like, make you anxious or make you anything. They just really don't know what else to talk about. Yeah. So practice. And the older they are, the less they have going on. (laughs) It's, it can be a really pretty rough grandparent thing, like aunt and uncle thing or whatever. But, but so, so yeah, practice some sort of 
some sort of shutdown, like some sort of, you know, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, what I have been doing lately is blank. Um, you know, I, that's not like, that's something I don't really talk about or I keep that private. And if you need to, if someone like pushes a little bit more, you're allowed to say like, you know, I only discussed that with a few people in my life. And I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable talking about that. Like that is, yeah. you're not being mean. You're not being anything. You're just laying down the lot, like laying down your line, but then yeah, have a different, a redirect. Like, yeah. but you know what? I went on a trip lately. Have you ever been to France? Like <laughs> anything else? Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it's important to know that, that you don't have to talk to everybody about everything. Right. Um, my dad said we were going to a, a giant family function and my cousins and I are all, you know, in our uh, early thirties, you know, several of us have just gotten married. And so because people can't ask us, when are you guys getting married anymore? Like, yeah. we're like, it's just a matter of time. And so happens. people are like, when are you guys going to have kids? And so I was telling my dad that I was like anxious about this. And of course we're, you know, trying to have kids and it's not going very well. So it's a really tender thing for yeah. me. And so I was like, dad, what do I say? And he goes, tell them you don't know, like, you don't know how. He's like, he's like, be like, you know, are you guys having kids? You know, we never actually totally understand how that works. Can you explain it to me? <laughs> I, mean, I think uh, we're getting something wrong. Maybe you could. Yeah. Teach how, us. I don't actually know how babies yeah. are made. Can you explain that to me? Um, so, I mean, truly like you, you, you can say anything, but just, I think practicing it in advance is really helpful because, and, and knowing that people aren't necessarily trying to hurt your feelings. And if, if they are, that's more about them than it is about you. If they are trying to be nosy, like you can absolutely shoot them down because you do not have to share everything with everybody. You know, that's just something I talk to my very closest people about, but what have you been up to lately? And you guys, I just am so grateful for you to our between places launch team. I, I just adore you guys. If you, if you tuned in starting kind of towards the end, go back and listen to the beginning. Um, cause we just, I have so many things to say to you and we said a ton of them up there. <laughs> I have to laugh. Haley yeah. said in the comments, she goes, some of my uncles would actually explain how babies were made. <laughs> yeah. So maybe don't do that. Well, <laughs> just know what you're getting into. Yes. Know, <laughs> know your audience. No. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys, thanks so much for spending this time with us. And, um, thank you so much for, for talking to us about the between places. I know that these things are really hard. Like they're just naturally some of the hardest seasons of our lives. But, and again, you know, we talk about this in the book, it's at the very end and, and it just, there might not be a piece of writing that I've ever like written that means as much to me as the conclusion for this book. Um, but, and I just talk about how, like, while at the time I want to just erase the between places, I want to skip right over them. Um, when I look back on my life, the best things about me have been formed by God in the between places. My favorite moments with God have happened in the between places. The best things about my life, like the best turns and, and you know, turn of events in my life have happened when something has gotten, you know, ripped out from under yeah. our feet. Um, and so I just know that, that God is with you and he loves you and you can trust him and he can bring good things out of this between place, even this one. God, would you just pray for us? Yeah. God, thanks for um, the good things. Thanks for the the not between places. Thanks for the beginnings and the ends and the destinations and, and all of the promises that are fulfilled. We're really, really grateful for the ways that you show up in our lives and the things that surprise us and delight us and the ways that you deliver far beyond, you know, what we ask for or, or 
could have come up with on our own. But also thank you for the not yet. We thank you for the the unknown. We thank you that for us to be surprised, we have to be in the dark for a while. And we trust and and believe that you're working, that you're acting, and that ultimately you want what's best for us. You are redeeming this in-between place. And even when it doesn't feel like it, you're good. So be with us in those times. Give us people to be with us in those times. Help us be those people for other people in their times and see, have hope and, and faith in the midst of, of all of it. We love you and we thank you that we get to, to have these conversations and do this together. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being here, guys. I just love you and I hope you have a really good night and everyone go get some pizza. <laughs> okay. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I know. Okay. Okay. Bye guys. You guys, thank you so much for listening to this conversation. I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links for any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And it also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review. Thank you so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls Night. And it's such a good one. All right, I'll see you then.